This WBEZ Tech Shift podcast is supported by the University of Chicago Booth School of Business's 63rd Annual Management Conference, Friday, May 15th, a half day featuring faculty member and author Professor Richard H. Thaler. More at chicagobooth.edu slash managementconference. I'm Nyla Boodoo. This is Tech Shift. And here's some news you may not have heard about. We might be living in the matrix. Okay, not exactly. But physicists around the world are theorizing that reality as we know it may be one big hologram. That means the 3D objects you see around aren't actually three-dimensional. At the moment, this is just a theory, but a team of physicists and researchers at Fermilab are conducting an experiment to try to find evidence that such a theory is possible. Here to explain all of this is Craig Hogan. He's director of the Fermilab Center for Particle Astrophysics. He also teaches astronomy and astrophysics at the University of Chicago. Craig, welcome to TechShift. Hi, Nyla. How are you? So, Craig, for those of us who aren't physicists, uh, what is this theory? (laughs) Well, I wouldn't say it's actually... a. a theory yet. It's kind of an idea that's out there. And it's inspired by um, the theory of black hole physics. Um, and it, and it's, it's basically based on the idea that there's a limited amount of information in the world, that it's, it's not, there's not an infinite bandwidth to reality. Okay. So if we're, someone's trying to understand this holographic principle idea, how would you explain it to them? Because I think people would think, well, it looks like everything seems to me, seems like it's in 3D. It feels like that. How yeah. could that not be the case? Right. Well, of course, um, appearances can be deceptive. And actually, even 3D is a bit deceptive. I mean, we, we learned from Einstein 100 years ago that it's actually four-dimensional, right? That the time is built into space and they're not really separable things. And so it's kind of an extension of that. That is, we're digging, you dig, dig, dig deeper into the nature of space. And um, as Einstein did, actually, just just 100 years ago, he invented the the theory of general relativity. And that showed us that um, space, time, that entity of space and time put together is actually a dynamic entity. And it does really exotic things like black holes that are very much against intuition, gravitational waves, things like that, dynamical behaviors of just space and time. And so if you follow those ideas um, a little farther, as people have done over the last century, um, they've combined that with the, um, the other thread of physics, the quantum mechanical side of things. And, um, and in the theory of black holes, they reckon that um, there's not actually... Uh, um, space is probably not infinitely dense with information. It's probably not infinitely divisible. And actually, it might be this, the amount of information in it might be about what would fit on a two-dimensional surface. So, sort, of, sort of like when you're you know, looking at a, an HDTV, uh, maybe with 3D glasses on, Kind of, it looks 3D, um, but isn't. It's actually encoded on a two-dimensional surface. The three dimensions of space that we experience could actually be encoded on a two-dimensional system somehow. Okay, so I have, I think, maybe like a Stargate, a sci-fi channel knowledge of black holes. Maybe you can explain how thinking about matter collapsing in a dark hole led to this notion of maybe the fact that we're maybe more two-dimensional, the way that things are existing. Yeah, well, okay, so so it's... You know, um, a black hole is a sort of place in space where space and time become singular. There's a thing called the event horizon, which is a surface in space within which um, light, out from which light can't escape. There's a place where there's a kind of point of no return, and and that's that's a two-dimensional surface in, in, embedded in our three-dimensional space. And everything everything that goes into the black hole and disappears in there forever. Everything about it fits under that two-dimensional surface. That's, that's event horizon. And that's 
Um, that's that's where the suspicion arises when you if you calculate how much data there is that's necessary to describe that. It's 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 two dimensional. It's like a two dimensional screen, but with a very fine, very fine resolution. The pixel scale of that is extremely small. Now I know at Fermilab at the Center for Particle Astrophysics, you guys are conducting an experiment to test this idea out, and I understand that it involves lasers. What are you doing? Yeah, okay. So we don't have any black holes at Fermilab, so don't worry about that. Okay, nobody will worry about black but hole in Batavia. Good. Right, but but we do but we do have lasers. You know the idea. The idea is that we can maybe test this idea, um, even at Fermilab, even here, you know, on the surface of the Earth, um, if by using lasers and also some mirrors, um, when we have them spread out in a machine we call the, the holometer, which is a kind of interferometer. It's a way of measuring very precisely where the mirrors are in space and time using the laser light. And, and the, the manifestation of this bandwidth limit to reality would be a kind of blurriness of position, so that the, the the positions of the apparatus mirrors um, don't act as if they're in an individual, in, infinitely indivisible system, but have a kind of a, 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 a graininess to them. It's quantum uncertainty, and so so we think we can uh, get evidence for that. How long do you think? I mean, how long is this experiment? What's the time frame for you think maybe gathering the correct information? Well, we, we've we've built it, we put it together, and it's it's um, basically running. It's in some sense the most sensitive instrument of its kind in the world. And we think that maybe before the end of the year, we'll have an answer for at least some aspects of this holographic idea. It won't be, it won't be the final answer, right? So this, what we're able to do with this is look at one possible way that the holographic encoding could work. But as, as I think you've seen, it's like the, the, the news this week was about a particular idea about the encoding. Um, there, there are many ways that that could work. So we're, we're not going to put an end to the holographic idea, whatever we find. But it could be that we'll, we might actually get some evidence for it. That's still possible. And there are other people around the world, other scientists who are working on this as well. They're working, I guess, on maybe different parts of this issue? Well, there are, other th- there are many theorists thinking about it. I don't know of any other experiments, anything like ours, able to penetrate into the, this flying the measurement of the position encoding. And let's say you found proof of this. Um, what do you think that would mean? For the scientific well, community, let's start with. Well, that's right. So, so it would mean that we have discovered, it would be the first time that we've found a, a quantum, not just holography, but a quantum behavior of, of space and time itself. So we, at the moment, everything about matter and energy is, belongs to this, this realm we call quantum mechanics, and all quantum mechanics is just for the, the stuff that's in the space and time. But, but we would be finding evidence that's actually everything, including space and time, that... that that the matter lives in also is made of um, kind of made of waves in a way. I mean, it has this sort of quantum uncertainty to it. And, and so that, that and, and another way of saying it is that this, this bandwidth of reality idea that there's, there's not an infinite amount of information flowing um, through the universe. And so that in, in the end, uh, eventually, if we're detecting it in an experiment, that means that somebody, someday so that's going to be applicable for technology. The same way that uh, you know, the, the Einstein's theory of relativity is applicable to, uh, well, we use it every day on our cell phones for GPS, for example. Sure. Well, thanks for telling us about what's going on uh, at the Fermilab Center for Particle Astrophysics. That's Craig Hogan, who also teaches astronomy and astrophysics at the University of Chicago. Thanks, Craig. Thank you very much.